0: That's it. That's better. Someone literally had a plane going off, and it wasn't my PS4 this time. So,
1: it's it's Arrow, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I think it's Arrow. Arrow, Arrow. (laughs) Arrow's got like some. I don't know. Arrow's like got like doing the pod outside New Delhi station or something. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, India's noisy. It's not my fault. Welcome to the Worldwide Chelsea Podcast. Your favorite host in the world, Marv, is back. Marvito underscore dude. You can follow me. You can unfollow me. As I'll tell you every week, I really don't care. I don't need any money from this. I'm already rich from my other job. Uh, so this podcast today, episode 36, I've got some special guests, some wonderful guests, some beautiful guests of different creeds, race, and color, and beauty. And uh, we're going to start today. Hello, Matt. We've got the analytical ball. He wants to get... The ball rolling today. How's it going, my friend?
2: I'm good, I'm good. I'm glad to be back after a very shit international duty.
0: Yeah, tough one with the international break. The fun gets sucked straight down our Darjeeling. And there's no fun for it has felt freaking long, I agree. And our second guest here, he hasn't been on here for a while but he stings like a bee he floats like a butterfly he loves Jorginho. it's ali hi, hi, friend.
1: hey Mark. Hi. Uh, what hi, an man. introduction man <laughs> Thanks <for> hi <the laughs>
0: <intro. laughs> my friend it's uh wonderful to hear from you again yeah it's great to be back on the pod it's been a while good welcome back we got our resident Indian superstar, he's a player from the Himalaya, he shoots it, he hits the target, it's our man, Arrow. how you doing my friend? Doing
3: good my bro, it's been a long long time, and it's great to be here again, it's nice talking to you guys on the podcast finally, after a long time.
0: And it's been a long time without you my friend, Fast and Furious. So, anyway, let's get us started today. We're previewing our game on Saturday against Southampton. We are all very excited. I can almost guarantee that because we've been starved of football for a while. And so here we are back again talking about Southampton. Let's go. We're going to discuss Southampton. Um, And how do you see this going, firstly? I mean, we've got some kind of team news, some injuries as per usual. Matt, what do you think about this upcoming game? What are your feelings and thoughts? You appear to be muted, Mr. Ball.
2: Sorry, I thought I was unmuted. That was a bit stupid for me, but yeah. Um, I think we're gonna have a. I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it's a game that where we're finally gonna see Christian Pulisic, and it's gonna be brilliant to see him start in. Um, I'm looking forward forward to it, and just to see near enough a fully fit squad. I know we've got the Mendy injury, it's just come, we've still got Billy Gilmore out for a while, but hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit more of a well-tuned team now.
0: I really, I really hope so, because I've been so excited about Pulisic coming back. Finally, we're going to get to see the Pulisic-Werner combination, I hope, or or we might end up with Werner on the right wing and Tamiol Giroud up front again. Um, but I'm definitely a big supporter of this. Can't wait from the play. Um, and also, we've got Ziyech to come flying in and whip those balls in, you know. So, uh, what are you thinking about it, Ali? What, what your, what's your opinion? What, you, what are you feeling about this upcoming game?
1: I mean, uh, Southampton are a very tricky side, to be honest. You never know what you're going to get from them. They can be very inconsistent. One game, they concede five against Spurs, And the next game, they beat uh, Man United or something like that. So... Um, you never know with Salampton. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to finally have club football back. It was a very boring international break. And
0: uh, yeah, it's
1: just exciting to have, as you said, Pulisic back. Uh is finally in the squad. Um, so yeah, it should, should be good, man.
0: I, I cannot wait, my friend, you know, it's going to be, you know, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates, uh, Forrest Gump. Um, but no, a good point, uh, because you don't really know what, what Southampton you're going to get. One day they've lost 9-0, the other day they're beating Man City. And, and they are a good team, um, which is why it is important not to have injuries, which we seem to have had yet again. Um, Arrow, uh, how do you see this game going? What what are your thoughts and feelings right now?
3: First of all, uh, it's really great to be back from that international break that was absolutely boring to the core. It was really, really bad. The international break just kills off that mood, that footballing mood. So now we're back to Premier League football. So yeah, against Southampton. We already lost against them uh, last season at home, so we have about back this time no matter what let's just hope that we go all guns blazing and we can gonna start piristic as well this time finally at long last we have piristic on so it's gonna be interesting and zh is
0: going to come on at some point as well absolutely That's something really, really curious. Um, And, and, you know, we've got Arrow there jetting back from his international break as well. Um, That's something that's going to be quite curious because when we get Pulisic playing, you know, I think we're going to see some dynamism in the team. Um, I actually see us starting with Werner on the wing and Pulisic in, and then Zx going to come on change and Werner's going to go to the centre, and that's how we're going to win the game. But uh, that's what I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to pass that back over to you, Arrow, uh, because you were the last one on that one. Um, How are we going to win the game? How do we win this game tomorrow?
3: First of all, we have to be defensively solid, as we have been lacking the defensive unit the last season. And once again we're struck with injuries and problems due to which we can't start players so we have to start Caballero or Kepa again let's just hope, let's cross our fingers if we start Kepa and Thiago Silva just arrived just travelled from South America and he won't be available for the game so the defensive partnership that is building at the back is now again reshuffled back to the ones we had last season Uh, so we have to team Inks somehow. Danny Inks is their main player. So stopping him would be key. And as well as let's see what we go up front because now we have Pulisic back. And it'd be interesting to see if we stick with Warner on the left and Tammy up front or do we switch to Warner as a lone striker with Pulisic on the left wing and either of Mount or Hudson Odoi on the right wing or maybe even Havertz. Let's hope we don't start Havertz on the right wing.
0: Yeah, I'm more concerned about us starting Mount on the right wing. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, as a person who really loves wingers, I'm a huge fan of the 1v1 player, I think, as you saw in the article, Um, going with wingers that aren't wingers, that aren't really specialized in creativity in the final third, was a huge level of frustration for me to watch. Um, I thought that there was a way Havertz could work there, but he didn't look too good there either. So a little bit of surprise. Um, but yeah, I, I you know with Pulisic and Ziyech, I think we're going to be looking good. It's just so key keeping them fit. I think that's one of the the main issues. Um, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that back to Ali now. I mean, how do you, how do we win this game?
1: I think tomorrow um, the key to our to a win for Chelsea is is the midfield. Um uh, I, I think Southampton have one of the worst uh, midfields in, in the Prem. Um, I think if, if we just control that, that area of the pitch, then then we'll be good to go. And yeah, as, as well as, as what Arrow said, I think if, if we're defensively solid, like the last game we played against Palace, which I thought was one of the best defensive displays we've had in a very, very long time. We had it all, you know, that, that day. And... Um, it's gonna be a miss uh, for us uh, not having Mendy and and not having Thiago Silva. So I'm hoping um, we start with a back four of Aspi, uh, Tomori, Zuma, and Chilwell, and maybe uh, Kepa back in goal. So yeah, I th- I think we sh- we should win that game. It won't be easy, but yeah, expecting a win.
0: And, and that's a really good point, I think. The midfield battle, you look at what I actually think that's one area where Southampton are kind of on the lower edge of the table. Um, and, and then, uh, so we will get to that in a second. I definitely think the midfield battle is going to be key. I mean, imagine that we've, I I'd imagine it's probably going to be Jorginho in there with, you know, Harvard's kind of again in the 10. And I'm hoping that's going to get us something because international duty, he was unplayable. So, I mean, let's let, exactly, let's Exactly, yeah going to be the way. I, mean, I think that he uh, he might be the key for us to win because that little bit of quality in the third with Pulisic and Ziyech added, I think, is going to really result in goals for us. Um, how about you, Matt? How do we win tomorrow?
2: Um, well, I think the one main important thing is we can't allow Southampton to really press on us and get at us. Last time against Palace, I think Jorginho played very well because he was Palace wasn't pressing at him and he had a lot of time in the ball, but Southampton, their midfield ain't great, but the one thing they do do is press and press as a team, and they're going to hound and swarm Jorginho every attempt they can. So I think, in my opinion, that's where I'd look and maybe look, do we play Kovacic? But if Jorginho does play, we really need to watch watch that area and make sure we're not getting pressed. If we can beat the press, then I think we comfortably win the game if we don't, then that's where we're going to struggle.
0: And that's a great point there, Matt, because press it, I don't know if um, it, it's documented enough, but Han, Hansel Hootl was one of the guys who really started pioneering that way of play. And um, it's, it's a really interesting point um, when we're talking about pressing football, because I think it's something we, we under one of the few things under Sarri that we actually dealt with quite well after a while. And I wasn't a huge fan of the way we played. There, But in this case, I think some of that training might come in handy for us. And I'm going to pass that back over to you, Matt, in the question now. What are the danger areas for us tomorrow? What do we have to look out for and what do we have to avoid?
2: Uh, well, we have to stop Danny Ings at all costs because last year or so he has been on fire and he is the main man of uh, Southampton. I think the other danger area is again set pieces. Southampton have a lot of very tall players, and I think, especially if Silva isn't going to play now, I'm again slightly worried with Kepa possibly being there. It being, I imagine it will be a Zuma Tomori back two, which doesn't, in terms of corners, that's the one thing I'm going to worry about, and I think we will again see another corner be conceded.
0: Yeah, that's a very, very key point, point. and I would just like to weigh in with what I think our danger is. I think there's in in Southampton. One of the things I think Danny Ings is a good player, and he definitely gets on the score sheet. But for me, there is a player there called Musa Gineppo. and I think that he is a he is a good player, and I don't not enough talk been done about him. And I think his one v one is very good. So I think if he gets in behind, in behind that little space that our midfield always seems to leave, and he's one 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 on one, God forbid, with Christensen. Um, I think we could be causing some serious problems, and then there's also Nathan Redmond that people make fun of quite a lot on on FT. But for me, I think he's actually quite a good player, and for the level that he plays at, I think he excels. Um, I'm going to pass that on also to Ali. Uh, what do you see as the main danger areas for us tomorrow?
1: I think you said it um, the way that I was thinking uh, last year. The first first leg or first. Uh, Game that we had against Southampton uh, at St Mary Stadium, um, they they pressed us and and left a lot of space behind and and they just um, they suffered the con- consequences and we beat them four one that day. Uh, I think Hasan Huttal uh, learned from his lesson and uh, he sat back against us in the second uh, in the reverse fixture. And uh, as you said, I think it was Shea Adams or um, Nathan Redmond. Uh, as well that that really hurt us on the counter so i think i think we should just be careful when they when they hit us on the counter and hopefully kante doesn't push forward too much and just sits back a bit and then maybe we can negate that uh danger from from the counter attacks
0: Yes, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think um, you know, I think we've got a lot of area where we can exploit them. I, I don't remember. I know they've got Bertrand, an old player for Chelsea, and one of his problems was he always used to get beaten on the inside. I think that lends itself very well to how Ziyech plays. So I think actually the matchups for us are quite good in the attacking phase. So I've some good points there, and I'm just going to come to Arrow. What do you see as our biggest danger area for tomorrow?
3: I'd say our biggest danger area is of course our defence because our defence is the same as last season right now apart from Chilwell at left back because we don't have Thiago Silva as well as Mendy who is once again injured on international duty of course they can international break so yeah, we're back to either cap or caballero and we have to somehow stop Ings and Charlie Adams might start as well but what I'm thinking of as a danger man would be Aurel Because our ex players have a habit of scoring against us. And Romeo even scored in, his, uh, in their previous game against West Brom. So there's a big chance that Aurel might turn up against us somehow. And as for our lineup in the midfield, I think uh, we'd be better off starting Kovacic along with Conte and not start Jorginho because uh, ward Prowse and Romeo is going to, both of them are going to crowd Jorginho and won't allow him to pass the ball forwards. So I think our best bet is to start Conte and Kovacic together
0: in the double pivot. Interesting point there, because I think, in I mean, there's a lot of uh, criticism on Jorginho, isn't there, a lot of the time, and from, from, you know, even from us, uh, sometimes constructive and all that stuff. But I think in the previous game, I mean, we can't really argue against how well he played. And uh, Yeah, he was oppressed, but maybe it could also be a sign that he's starting now to, to connect and gel a bit more of how this team is going to play. I think that he lacks the athleticism, of course, a little bit like that. But, uh, you know, it's always important to praise where they play well. And I think he did play well on that occasion. And maybe I think he'll be back in for this game, Uh, which brings me to the next part of this wonderful pod today. There's rumours about a new contract for Jorginho. Um, I just kind of what are you guys thinking about that? I'm going to pass it to I know Ali is a big fan of Jorginho. So I'm going to pass to arrow first, then counter with Ali. What do you think, Arrow, about this contract rumour?
3: Mm, I don't think Jorginho is uh, going to sign to stay on for the long term. We're thinking to get his price at the le- at least at the level that we bought him at, so that we can sell him off for a bigger price and not incur much of a loss. So I don't just I just don't see him as the long-term plan at midfield. Uh, he really didn't provide us what we require from a deep playing playmaker because he doesn't provide too many chances for us he should create chances that's what he's there for but he does not and I don't think he has a long term future at Chelsea The rumours if true might be just to get the price up
0: instead of uh, get him in for the long term uh, and you, Ali, what do you think about this, my friend?
1: Well, obviously, you know how much I, I like Jorginho as a player and um, how, how good he played last game against Palace. Uh, I think that was one of his best games in a, uh But I, I don't think these, these rumours are true, to be honest. I think Lampard really has uh, Declan Rice uh, in mind. I think he wants to bring him in play him at the DM uh, uh, role maybe next season. Um, and yeah, I just, I just don't see it happening to be honest as, as much as I like uh, Jorginho.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's a very good, it's interesting to see where the rumors come from and maybe it is to get money for him. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's always about uh, that kind of saying, you know, that you're only as good as your last game. And it could be, it could ring true with, with, with someone like him, you know, because, uh, I do feel. I mean, even though I've been on one of, I've been on the sell side, you know, a lot of the time, I think some of the criticism might be a little bit too much on him. He's not the worst player in the team by far. Um, so, but yeah, good good point. So i am just gonna pass it over to Matt to see what you think, my friend. What do you think, Matt? Um, well, I don't think the rumors
2: are true. Uh, to be honest, I think it's just as true as the Antonio Rudiger new contract, which obviously, as we know. We were trying to sell him by the end of the window, so that changed a lot compared to the beginning of the summer. Um, I think it's strange because he's got three years left on his deal, so it's not like it's one of them things where we need to get him on a contract to boost his price because three years is more than enough unless we're thinking to keep him for a few years and then sell him. But from what I feel Lampard wants, he wants a new DM, and Jorginho doesn't simply fit, no matter how good or bad a player he is, he just doesn't fit the system Lampard wants to play. So why would you keep a player of that and why would you spend money on a new contract? I Personally, I don't get it and I think I'd be very frustrated if Chelsea did sign the con- uh, give the contract to Jorginho.
0: Uh, interesting actually in that point I think that seems to be unanimous that it's not a, a you know a real rumor not a real thing um, it's definitely possible uh, that they could do it in order to sell him I mean they signed uh, Davide Zappacosta to a new contract at time and that surprised me as well what a great signing he was and uh, well, actually we shouldn't really criticize him because even we won he actually won us the Europa League that clearance off the line unbelievable um, but that being said Let's, let's shift that over now. So we've discussed a little bit of detail on the Giudino contract. There's another sad point for us to discuss, a very unfortunate point. We watched it. Ball goes flying into the air. A pair of magic hands collect thy ball from the air. And everything was wonderful in our life. We had a new goalkeeper <laughs> who collected the ball from the air, and it's all been taken away from us just like that. And that's something sad. Mendy potentially injured. We're going to have to go back to Keper or Caballero. Caballero in Spanish is man. But man, oh man, I am sad. I'm going to start with you, Matt. What do you think about this situation? Um, well, it's, it's frustrating. Again, it's typical
2: Chelsea. We can't go out of an international break without two or three players getting injured. And I think... It's just, again, frustrating, as I said about Southampton, about how they're a very good aerial side, and now we're going to have to put Kepa back in that, which he's not going to... You're not going to want to put Kepper in a side that are going to have a lot of physical air, aerial ability, and i going to put loads of crosses in the box. Personally, for me, I don't care how good Kepper played against Portugal. I, I think you've got to start Caballero, just because I think he's a better goalkeeper at the moment, and... Against Southampton, Kepa's going to get eaten alive and it's not going to help his confidence. So I'd rather play Caballero. If it was a team that was not as good at corners and their aerial ability, maybe I would consider starting Kepa, but you just can't do it. It's just a recipe for disaster.
0: Kepa or Caballero, and and then you couple that with the fact that I think we're going to end up with uh, Christensen and Zuma. As oh, well. don't. if 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 we do we're losing uh I do fear and, and I've obviously been very vocal about it I think when Christiansen plays bad things happen um obviously you always support your players when they play, but i I would be very disappointed to see that lineup, especially when we've seen some nice shades of good work from fikayo Tamori when he's come in, and I know you're a fan of him Matt
2: yeah, it's gotta be tamori there's no. Doubt about it. I mean, Christensen played okay against West Brom, and that was me before the game. I did say where Christensen was going to have a disaster class, when actually, in fact, everyone else had a disaster. But Christensen's just—he's just not good enough. He's for me, he is fifth choice centre back. Uh, Rüdiger's not much better, but and I think, but in my opinion, the quicker the both of them are out, the better. But And that just me you've got to play Tamori. I'm sorry, but we've got five centre-backs, and this is the one thing that's really frustrated me about Chelsea. How the squad harmony is going to be really affected, Lampard's got to try and do his utmost best to try and sort this out. And it's because they couldn't get one of Rudiger Christensen out, which bewilders me
0: it's uh, yeah I do agree with you on on the fact of Christensen. I am a fan of rudiger as I've said but yeah of course even in uh, for Germany did not play well recently so and at this point I think if we're going on the meritocracy we don't see training but I would think this would be a very good game for Ficaro tomorrow to come in um and I think tomorrow just giving tomorrow and Zuma that that run tomorrow and kind of maybe keep it kind of tight and close at the back for the first 20 minutes I think we'll be okay but it's definitely something you know if Tomorrow you don't give him a chance now. When's it going to be? Because it's at that point where we, we're not going to have, hopefully, many injuries throughout that time. So when else, when else other than now will that be that time? Or we should have just loaned him. Um, so I think that's a good point you raised there, Matt. And what about you, Arrow? What do you think?
3: Hello. Uh, Hello. About the defense situation or the goalkeeping situation right now?
0: Well, uh, let's start the goalkeeper's situation about Mendy's injury, I mean, what do you think?
3: I think this is uh, a golden opportunity for Kepa to start, because he did play well against Portugal, and let's just see if he can continue that. It's like a last chance for him. Like, it's, I know it's a dire straight situation, but... 7-0 is a bit iffy at the moment, so I might want to start Kepa just to give him that last chance, just to say that maybe we did not give up on him totally, because he has been rewarded for that performance against Portugal. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could start Kepa, and maybe he, he does do well against Southampton. Let's just hope he does well if he does start, because this is got to be his absolute last chance. There's no way he spoils this game that he's going to ever start for us again. As for the center-back partnership without Diego Silva, uh, who's going to partner Zuma? I mean, yeah, as we all know, I am a little biased towards Christensen rather than Rudiger, I won't say I'm a fan of Christensen, I'm not a huge fan but I'd just say that he's 4th choice and Rudiger is 5th choice at the moment in my point of view as well as Lampard's, so I would hope that we start Zuma and Tomori and get that uh, partnership that we had last October with that great run of games let's roll that back again
0: Yeah, let's roll that back again. And I, I personally, you know, it's got to be Kepa for me because, again, just like I said with Tamori, when is that chance to prove yourself going to come again? And, uh, you know, the idea we're probably looking to sell Kepa, how can we sell him unless he just, you know, all the international breaks, he looks good, which will be a way. But if he has a blinder, you know, competition is good for us. Well, that's what we need to win this league. And I'm going to ask you, Ali, there, what, what do you think about the Mendy situation and the defensive situation, my friend?
1: I mean, um, when, when we had Mendy in goal in the last two games, he just gave you that uh, confidence um, that Kepa didn't give us over, over the last uh, year or so. And he just looked so comfortable on the ball, uh, so good in the air. Um, he was communicating well with our back four. Uh, he, just, he just looked good, you know? And, and with, with Kepa in goal, I just don't see it. You know, I just don't see that happening and uh yeah i think I think Kepa's probably gonna start tomorrow, uh given how good he looked in the international break. I've seen some clips of him in training where he made some uh unbelievable stops and and his whole team was was cheering for him, and he could just tell that he was just like gaining some confidence there and and yeah hopefully he'll show um um some more confidence uh tomorrow. And as for uh, the defense, uh, I, th- I don't think that Christensen and-, and Rudiger are Chelsea quality, to be honest. Uh, I- and I think that the pairing that we should go with tomorrow is uh, Zuma and Tomori, as I've been uh, vouching for them uh, since the beginning of last season. I thought that they were our best uh, centre-back pairing, and whenever they played together, they looked somewhat solid and uh, yeah i just I just hope Picayo uh plays tomorrow
0: yeah, I mean, and a very very good points all around really um, and that's the thing with players, you know, you said Rudiger there is not chelsea quality and and maybe he isn't now um but you know two trophies that he did win in the two seasons he did play as a first eleven player, I think he might i mean there is an argument for that he was Chelsea quality, but um, for me, Christensen has never been Chelsea quality. I think you could probably count the great games he's had on one hand. I, I believe, and uh, yeah, was being the key point there. I mean, I'm a fan of him, but yeah, you know, performances are important, and we haven't seen them for a little while. Um, so that is valid. I think the, the points are very valid. What is not valid, however, is player slander. We see a lot of it on Twitter. We're seeing a lot of this lately. Um, I, I've, I mean. I've been involved in it sometimes, but not in the the sense where you'll be, like, literally sending waves of abuse to players. You know, by all means, criticise players for playing bad. Curse out to yourself, not to get likes or get retweets, um, you know, or, or, you know, those kind of things. So, and it is one thing that's been happening quite a lot lately. We're seeing slander on, I think, one of the most common slanders. Last year, it was Jorginho. Then before that, it was Bakayoko and, you know, switch and repeat who you want to be. But at the moment, it's, it's, it's Mason Mount. And this is, you know, this is a player. This is a Chelsea player. It's something that we lose track on sometimes. The fact that this, this is a Chelsea player. It's not a top player. It's not Anthony Marshall who turns up twice a year. It's not Rashford who runs off every week and still pretends he's world class. It's not, this is a player that helped us reach top four and get us into the zone where we can buy people like Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, Kai Harbert. And what are we doing? People there are slandering, saying, what does he bring to the team? Stuff like this. I just don't understand it myself. I know Matt feels quite strongly about this. We're talking about Mason Mount here. What's your take from this kind of thing, my friend?
2: Uh, I just get so... it's. I see it all the time on the timeline, and it's the same people. It's not... like As you said, You can criticise a player. That's your utmost right to criticise whoever you want for whatever reason you want. But to go and physically and verbally attack a player or just go on daily rant every single day, the same comment and the same stupid um, uh, excuses, phrases. And it's just... I don't understand it. It's um, like you get it with Mason Mount. You get it with people who then link Mason Mount with Declan Rice. And I had someone arguing with me on the timeline the other day. I was defending Mount, as you do. And then they went to me, oh, does that mean you don't like Kai Havertz? And I was like, just because I like Mount does not mean I don't like Kai Havertz. I'm a supporter of Chelsea. I don't have one single favourite player and that means I hate the rest. I'd I'd preferably I'd love Kai Havertz and Mason Mount in the same formation, if possible. I'd like, and there's a number of favourite players I have, and I'd like to have a number of favourite players in the team. I don't just put all my faith around one singular player. And I think there's too many people on this platform that do. And if someone doesn't, if some, if someone loves Pulisic, for example, they'll go after Hudson Odoi. If someone loves Havertz, they'll go after Mason Mount. Or if someone loves Jorginho, they'll go after Kante. And I th- I just think it's so petty, it's so ridiculous. And I think it's the ma- main problem of the Chelsea fan base. And I don't think th- I don't think there is any other fan base at the moment that is like this. Liverpool obviously they're riding on their highs and they're not. City don't see this often. Even on Arsenal, they have their people that they target, but they don't target play like it's it's just like comparing our own players against each other it just don't just love the team support the team don't support one singular player and
0: make it your agenda i think that's fascinating that point matt and i do agree it's it's something that it, it really annoys me and i've posted it out a few times you know i say it's very seems simple but it seems an impossible concept for some it is totally it, it totally Possible to like both Kante and Kovacic, and it's totally possible to like Mount and Harvards, and it's totally possible to like Verner, Tammy, and Giroud. Right? That that's it just it. Becomes it does become ridiculous, and and I think it, it there are some that are targeted more, and I've noticed that Mount being one of them, and that does surprise me because usually it's Academy FC. Usually the academy players are protected more on Football Twitter. I mean the amount of protection Hudson Odoi gets. And, and I criticise him a lot, but I'm not going to post to him, get better at football. You know, you know they put on the shirt, we should be supporting every player that plays, right? Every player, even when Christensen plays, I'm hoping he plays well. I don't say, get off the pitch, or shit, or whatever. You know, we, we have a duty to support the club and support the players, and a lot of people just don't do this. Uh, so really, really strong points there, Matt. Um, what do you think about it, Arrow? What's your opinion? Yeah, of course having an agenda against players is is a
3: really often thing to happen. And we just have it as a common thing in our fan base, in our Chelsea fan base, because like Matt said, uh, it's not very prevalent in other fan bases. We don't see that in Liverpool fan bases because I mean, yeah, Liverpool doesn't have too many players competing for the same spot as we do, but look at Man City. They have twice the quality of players as their substitutes, in the same positions. But we don't see slander from Man City fans against their own players. And Mount has been slandered the most this season as well as the last season. I mean, this has been happening since the last season. Last season, it used to be, uh, if you like Kovacic, you, you have got to hate Mount. And this season, it's if you love Havertz, you've got to hate Mount. And if you love Mount, You've got to hate Havertz or Kovacic, which is pretty awful, which, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Both of them are our players. We would want the best out of our players. And as for Academy players being protected and Mason Mount not getting the same treatment, um it's something to do with uh the fact that Lampard prefers Mount, just like Sarri preferred Jorginho and... That was one of the reasons that Jorginho got so much slander against him uh, when he played under Sari, And then Mount took his place as the son of the manager. So that's one of the reasons that he gets all the slander. I mean, how can you hate that person? He has been trying his best to perform at the highest level for the first season in the Premier League. He's been playing in the championship, championship. And before that, he was at Vitesse. So it's the first time his first season in the Premier League and he already has uh, the most caps I mean the most hearts in the Chelsea squad last season that's got to be something he has been consistently performing I mean you don't see results because uh, just because he plays, plays as one of the front four uh, on the wing or as a cam doesn't mean that he's got to produce goals and attacks and assists every single game he provides us the tactic that we play that lampard prefers he adds that press to our team he does work hard i mean apart from Conte, i've seen uh mount run the most on the field for the whole of 90 minutes so of course it's really unfair that mount gets all the slander and it's uncalled for
0: yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm going to pass that on to Ali. What's your opinion, my friend? As a guy that used to talk uh, negatively about Willy, and I'm interested in your opinion.
2: <laughs> I mean, um,
1: is it fine to criticise a player um, over a ba- uh, over a few bad performances? Of course it is. But it's not. It's definitely not cool to, to abuse your, your own players, and especially players that uh, give 110% every time they're on the pitch uh, for the badge, you know, so um, I think it's totally unacceptable to to abuse a player. I mean, it's is, it is not him that's actually picking the team, so whenever a player is picked into a team, he has to play, and, and it's not his decision to, uh, to be selected. Um, I mean, I, I like Mount. Um, I think he's a good player, uh, but yeah, playing him out of Best thing to do um, I think uh, now that we have all our wingers back I, I I don't think mount should be starting, especially with the formation that we have right now um, I'd prefer to see proper wingers playing in their original uh positions um, but yeah i think I think mount is is a good player and and we shouldn't be. Abusing him or anything like that.
0: Absolutely agree with you on that point, and I think you've all raised some absolutely brilliant uh, points there. And uh, I, and, and that me picking you out on the William thing, I think we everyone has done a little bit of this. Everybody, including myself, we've all said uh, you know been posting, "Oh, this player sucks," whatever, something like that. Which is you know, I mean, criticism's fine, but I think we everyone has at least stepped over the line at least once. And I think it's something we can always get better at, right? There are some people outright just terrible things you read, and it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. I mean, even some people sending messages to to Mason's dad on Twitter. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, some of it, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I wouldn't even send that to to someone I didn't like's family, uh, right? I, you know, let's say, I'm trying to think of a player I don't like. I don't, I never really liked Fabregas, but I was nowhere to be posting to his girlfriend saying, "Oh, your players and all," so no, no chance at all. You know, when they wear the shirt we support, and that's it. I think. So good points from you all there. Um, In the final 10 minutes a nice little exciting rumor came about recently then followed up by what I would consider a less exciting rumor and also a debunking of first rumor. Now uh, somewhere across Europe there is a scary looking version of Cell. You ever watch Dragon Ball Z? There was this character called Cell that used to get bigger and better really quickly and it was going to take over the world. There's a striker who reminds me of him, and his name, Erling Haaland. We got uh, linked with him this week. Uh, I got really excited, only for it to be debunked one. But is this the end of this rumour? If we look back, we saw some video evidence who we'd like to bring back and play with. He said, Frank Lempard. My God, my accent was terrible. Um, so, um, but that was another opening for a potential rumour of what could happen next season. We thought transfer season was over. In my opinion, this is another generational to go along with, you know, the likes of Mbappe. Some people say Harvard's. Um, What are you guys thinking about the potential of signing Erling Haaland? I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with Ali because I don't actually know his opinion on it. What do you think, Ali?
1: I think Haaland is, is one of the uh, the best young players in the world right now. I'd say he, he might be even in the top two uh, with Mbappe, as you said. Um, this guy's efficiency in front of goal is is, is mind blowing, and every time I see him play hes he just he just looks uh, so mature when, whenever he plays and and it looks like he's been doing this playing at, at a high level for so many years now and and everything about him is just is just so good. I mean he's got the physicality, he's got the pace, uh, he's got the clinical finishing. And you could have asked more from from a striker, you know. He's he's that uh, traditional number nine that can just get you goals out of, out of nowhere. And I think if if there is a chance to sign uh, Erling Holland, then then you go and and you do it. Um, especially with that release clause as well. I think it's, it's seventy five million euros next year, and then the year after it, it goes down to sixty million euros. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm of course all for it. If, if we can get it done, then we should definitely go in and, and, and get him.
0: I agree with you completely. I think um, there are some players where, you know, it's like, oh, this player is really good. And you look at them playing, you think this guy is freaking shit. Um, no offense to the guy. I don't I don't mean any uh, offense to the guy. But there was this player, people told me were was very good. And I watched him play and he could barely kick a ball. He was called Briel M- And I think now he he plays in some mid-level German team. Uh, Then when somebody said, oh, this guy Erling Haaland, he scored all these goals. I saw him play a couple of games. I think it was, um, I forget the team, Salzburg, was it? And uh, I wasn't that impressed. I was like, yeah, he scored goals, that's cool. But then when he came to Dortmund and he caught fire straight, it was straight away. And his goals against PSG. He looks cold, cold. And I think he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I think we, get, we should get this done. And if there's a chance, we get it done. We want to fill the team with generational talents. We do that. Every player is going to want to play here. Like Jimenez, that uh, defender, saw a video of him getting his head in the way of a shot recently. That sold me. He's the next Terry. Um, but no, obviously, he's not the next Terry. But you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just going to compare that because we also apparently got linked with Paulo Dybala. Uh, I'm not a fan, I'm going to nail my cloak to the mask for me. he's a no-substance player like Griezmann Good with his feet, doesn't do enough in big moments, big games And in my opinion, he's not as good as people think he is Uh, What do you guys think of both the Haaland and the Dybala? I'm going to pass it over to Matt and Ara because we don't have very long Uh, Matt, first to you my friend Haaland and then Dybala, tell me your opinion Is he alive? He's on mute, you're on mute Mr Bull He's off the ball here
2: Oh my God, that was so stupid yeah. again. Right. So I'm probably <laughs> the only person on the platform that thinks this, but I do not want to go anywhere near Haaland. Nowhere near. Nope. 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 Don't even put that cancerous agent in the same room with a Chelsea board member. Nope. 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 Same with Donorama. We could get Don- Donorama on a free next year. Nope. You don't want any. I don't want any patient, uh clients at all. Because all Haaland's going to do is he's going to come here, he's going to be the big I am for two, three years, and then he's going to go to Real Madrid. And then when he does go, he's probably going to cause trouble. Look at Pogba causing trouble right now. He's signed this year extension, but he's going to be f- screwed United season up with just constant transfer rumours. And the, I mean, the kid's what 19 he's already moved to three clubs you can tell what the trajectory is so no we've got good talents and tammy and Werner, and if we need another striker we can go and get someone else in terms of Dybala i agree with you he's he's like um adele Terat. got all the ability in the world but he's he's just it's hard he doesn't really fit any position or system so it's just you've got someone that's going to skill someone up and it's just it's not worth it. It's just going to ruin the balance of the team.
0: Very balanced discussion. And I think you are right. I've never wanted a Riala player and, and I stick to that too. I think I would hope that he would see Sentin and ditch the agent, but uh we will see. I mean, I think that's something we need to look at. How about you, Arrow? Uh, what's your opinion on the both?
3: Um, Helen is a really good player that we should not miss out the chance of getting if we have the chance because these chances don't come very easily and, and we have let players go that have had potential and we have regretted it every single time so i don't think we should pass up on the chance of getting erling haaland if we have the potential of getting him but then again uh as for iola i don't think he's gonna try to get into, uh, try to get Holland to Chelsea. So, I don't think these rumors are gonna come, are gonna come to fruition because Rahele is gonna go for the highest bidder. I mean, the one, the club that pays him the highest, and I don't think we're gonna be the one that does that. And as for Dybala, yeah, I'd have to agree with Marv because he's a player that is very hard to fit into teams because he, the, the position he plays. He doesn't fit into many teams. He's kind of a typical second striker who is really good in the ball and can shoot at times. But it's really tough to accommodate in a field with other players right now. So I don't think the DiBella rumors are going to come true as well. I don't see any way that DiBella joins us. I mean, he was good on Sarri, but we're not managed by Sari anymore.
0: And that is a reason to celebrate and end the pod. Um, but no, uh, good points from you all there. I am the same there on Dybala. I mean, I don't see where he really fits in. Um, on the left, on the right, we have players, in my opinion, that are better, more direct, better at taking on their man. The quality in the middle, Haberts already has, I think it would be a waste of money. and uh, no, it's just not something for me. He was a good player when he moved. And he does get a couple of goals, but we have to remember he plays in a league where... A good 60% of them are, are easy point stat pad fodder, uh, and you know it is. They without Ronaldo, they would have lost a league last year, and that says all you need to know about the player. He doesn't improve them enough. Why would he improve us enough? We we want to be better. And uh, the Harlan thing is something we can look at in future. But um, definitely think it's interesting. I've got to say, what a wonderful pod it has been with you guys today, and some really like good topics we've managed to do. Um, I've got to say. It's been a wonderful pod and thank you very much, Matt, for your wonderful ranting skills on the ball as always.
2: Thank you very much. You know how to get me going as always.
0: (laughs) I love to do it, my friend. And also a big thank you to Ali back on the pod for the first time in a while. Uh, Thank you very much, Marv.
1: It was a pleasure being on with you guys and hopefully we can do it again soon
0: let's do it let's do it as much as we can and also for you arrow my friend thank you for being back on from air force one it's been great to have you you're welcome man
3: thank you for having me on it's been great to have been on with you guys once more and looking forward to the next one and looking forward to the game tomorrow let's go let's do it go chelsea fc
0: Let's get it. Nice six. Oh, no, we didn't do our predictions. One, uh, quickly, prediction for everyone. For me, it's 6 nil Chelsea. Come on, you guys. 4-1, 4-1. 3-1 Chelsea. 3-1 Chelsea. 3-1
3: three one, three
0: one Chelsea. Okay, we're going to remember that 6-0 for me. Have a wonderful time. Episode 36 of the Worldwide Chelsea pod. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. Catch you later, guys. Worldwide Chelsea
1: out.